Hey everybody, uh, welcome to the Sports Plus Podcast. If you're watching this live on Thursday night, I'm Corey Miller here with Frank Cusimano. Or if you're listening to this on the Sports Plus Podcast a couple days from now or whenever you're listening to this. You know, Frank, uh, we got a lot of Cardinals talk tonight because we're recording this Thursday night. One of two off nights for the Cardinals the rest of the way this season, that's scheduled at least. And after we were so down on the offense, they come out. And in three games, they score, what was it, 30 runs, uh, led by, of all people, Brad Miller. Uh, they dropped their last game we saw him play to the Reds in one they could have won very easily at the end there. But just this Cardinals offense all of a sudden seems to look like they know what they're doing, at least a little bit. I think that every person out there who has a spouse who spends things on expensive gifts we all should admire what John Moselock did this offseason because he went shopping with just $10 million in his pocket, Corey, and he got Brad Miller for two and he got KK for eight. That's $10 million. That's like going to a, you know, a clothing store and getting Armani for 300 bucks. I mean, that is some astute shopping, and it's worked <laughs> out so incredibly well for the Cardinals. I love this Brad Miller, and you know he's, I don't think our audience knows much about him, but he's the nicest guy. He's the most enthusiastic guy. And, oh, by the way, he's the best left-handed hitter on the team as we speak. This isn't totally out of nowhere for Brad Miller, although a lot of people may think, what is happening? This is a guy, we've said this a lot. He's hit 30 home runs before in the major leagues. He's hit pretty much everywhere he's been. The power is a nice surprise. Him hitting fourth. Uh, if they're going to count on that the whole year kind of worries me. But I think for sure you plug him in there every day at DH going forward, and he's going to be a, a threat. I think you're right. You know, I had Andy Van Slyke with me today, and Andy was actually his coach in Seattle. And he said that when he got into trouble, it's because he had he tried to pull the ball too much. Does this sound kind of similar to Matt Carpenter? And now what we're seeing with Brad Miller – is he goes to center field. He goes to left center. He doesn't try to pull the ball. He can. He had a home run the other night down the right field line. But he's just in a groove, and you just feel like he never, ever gets cheated, Corey. I mean, it's just so fun watching this guy come to the plate. Another guy who's been pretty hot is Paul Goldschmidt. Pretty much the whole season, even before the Cardinals were stopped due to COVID-19 and since they've been back, He's just hitting the ball hard, it seems like, every time he comes up to the plate. You talked with Whitey Herzog about this uh, the other day. It just seems he's not striking out as much. He's walking. He's got one of the best on-base percentages in the entire league. This is really the Paul Goldschmidt we've been waiting to see in St. Louis. He was good last year, not quite as good as we were hoping he'd be, but this looks like the guy they, they thought they were getting when they traded for him. Yeah, and Corey, I don't care how great his resume was when he got here. Um, look, everybody knew that they acquired him to be the face of the franchise. And Paul Goldschmidt knows how revered and treasured this franchise is in St. Louis. I think he felt some pressure. And I think he also had things working against him, like not a lot of guys hitting in front of him who got on base. So the 97 RBIs, if he had a bunch of guys getting on base, may have been 110. But there's no question he's a little bit of a different hitter right now. I mean, a 500 on base, basically a thousand slug. He's a candidate to win the MVP award. Um, 
And, you know, if you have Brad Miller hitting behind him and a hot Paul DeYoung hitting behind him, then that's really going to bode well for Goldie down the stretch. As long as you have people behind him, you don't want him to walk as much as Bobby Abreu or Barry Bonds. You want to make sure they pitch to him. And if you've got two guys who are hitting behind him, they're going to have to pitch to Goldie. Brian on Facebook asking what's going on with Matt Carpenter. You and I were both uh, pretty high on uh, Carp coming into this year. We thought he was going to bounce back. Hasn't really happened yet. Whitey broke him down pretty good, too. Yeah, he did. And, you know, it basically comes down to when the ball is on the outside part of the plate, you hit that ball to left field. And Matt just tries to roll the wrist over and pull it, and it's just not working out. Now, he's had some good moments, and he got to 12 RBIs real quickly, and he is getting on base. He is drawing walks, but, you know, nobody's more disappointed than Matt Carpenter, and it's a good thing for Matt that he has a guy like Mike Schilt who has so much confidence in him, and he's doing everything possible to try to, try to get him turned around. So we're kind of high on the offense now, but an area that has struggled still is getting some offense from the outfield, especially now that Dexter Fowler is headed to the injury list. Don't know when we'll see him back. Uh, it's, this was It was very apparent last night, Wednesday night, in the finale with the Reds. Cardinals came up with the bases loaded. Tyler O'Neill and Lane Thomas had chances to put them ahead, and then they could shut it down for the win. Both of them struck out with the bases loaded. Carlson, we know, is off to a slow start. What can this outfield do? I mean, they got to just keep trotting these guys out there and hope something clicks, I guess. Yeah, I think one thing is when, when Dylan Carlson goes to Wrigley Field on Friday, he's going to have his head cleared. He will have three full days off. And I think, you, you know, you go back to him. I think Tommy Edmond is now a full-time outfielder because you got to get some production out there and with Dexter Fowler out, and then you just pray and hope, you know, that, you know, Harrison Bader, who had a decent stretch, can resume, you know, what he was doing before. Um, Tyler O'Neill had a, you know, decent beginning. You just, or Lane Thomas, you hope that one of those three, you know, comes and hits. Or you hope that Matt Carpenter hits, and then maybe Ryan, I mean, uh, Ron Hell Ravello, becomes your DH, and you could play Brad Miller in the outfield. Andy Van Slyke mentioned that today, that Miller had played some outfield before. And let's face it, Corey, if you can play the infield, you can play the outfield. So, But it all comes down to, to just finding a few more guys who can hit. And they got two or three guys, or two or three positions where they're getting nothing out of right now. That's a good point. I liked. I really like Ron Hell Ravello. I think he could be uh, a contributor. I'd like to see him get in the in the lineup once they're sure. Well, he's they've added him already, so he's over COVID. Uh, make sure he's ready to go. I'd love to see him get in the lineup and get some at bats. He has the longest home run ever, uh, unless this was updated. He hit a bomb at Coors Field. It was the longest ever stat cast home run by a Cardinal. So we know he's got the power. I'd like to see him get in the lineup. Let's talk about a guy you mentioned. Uh, who was maybe overshadowed in that 16-run game in Cincinnati. Gong Hung Kim, KK, has been fantastic uh, since they moved him into the starting rotation. Uh, he's 2-0. and He's got a .83 ERA. He's not getting the strikeouts quite like uh, I think the Cardinals might like, although they, they like their infield, so they're okay with the guys putting in a play. They're going to make the plays behind him. KK's been great. 
and people don't think of this because he is older, but he's a rookie, and he is very squarely in the mix for National League Rookie of the Year if he has a few more good starts like this. Yeah, and I love the stat that as a starter, he has a .44 ERA, and it's the best beginning for a left-handed starter since Fernando Valenzuela, the Dodgers. So, yeah, he's been marvelous. And that that's the thing is you can have an offense that's not, you know, in the top third of the league if you're trotting out Jack Flaherty, Adam Wainwright, KK, and suddenly, you know, Dakota Hudson with back-to-back magnificent starts. So that, that pitching is great, Corey. It's, it's the lowest whip. Um, opponents had the lowest batting average against this staff. It's really good. Plus, you have all those guys in the bullpen who've been outstanding. The three Gs, Gomber, Gallegos, and Gant. They've been great. I will say this, too. The Cardinals have definitely gained some more Korean fans uh, with KK coming over. I can tell just by, I know anytime KK does a media availability, I immediately get it as soon as I can and put it on our YouTube channel and the views go crazy because the people over in Korea are following him like they would follow a team, like they do for Hunjin Ryu uh, a lot of the times too. Like some guys in the Korean media told us they would do at spring training. So I think we have a few more Cardinals fans over in Korea this year for sure, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I've never seen anything like it at spring training that, you know, you had like 16, 17 media members, you know, all taping him as he played catch or as he jogged or as he stretched. It's great to see, and he couldn't be a more likable fella. So as we're looking at the end of this Cardinal schedule, it's pretty crazy. A third of their schedule, 10 of their remaining 30 games, are against the Brewers. Pretty much how they do against Milwaukee might determine this. And they, like we've said before, with the expanded playoffs, all they have to do is finish one of the top two teams in their division or get one of those wild cards, making the playoffs a lot easier. But it's just crazy that a third of their remaining games are against Milwaukee. Yeah, that's that's huge. Um, I also think this weekend is fascinating too, Corey, when you think about it, because on Monday night you could be in first place by a game or on Monday night you could trail the Chicago Cubs by nine games. I mean, well, let's sweep the thing and be in first on Monday night. It, it's crazy the way this thing could swing between now and Monday night. I tell you, I'm kind of getting the vibe this upcoming weekend of that weekend in September last year at Wrigley Field when it was really crunch time. The Cardinals showed up and swept the Cubs. I'm not guaranteeing that by any means, but it does kind of feel the same kind of importance as we saw uh, that series last year. That was so much fun and some of the craziest games I've ever seen. Here you, here you are too, Corey. You could get off to a great start because you have Flaherty and Wayno. And then maybe you get lucky with that great bullpen and the bullpen start, and you come back with Dakota and KK. You know, Quintana is out. Now, they're going to face Hugh Darvish, so they're going to face some good pitching. And there's a reason the Cubs are three games or four games ahead of the Cardinals as we speak. 
So that's that's our Cardinals news here, and we'll have a lot more to talk about going forward the rest of this month for sure as the playoffs come down. Some more baseball news and some sad baseball news yesterday with the loss of Tom Seaver, one of the best pitchers in baseball history. Frank, I, I know you probably watched him a lot. Uh, did you ever get to meet him or anything? Do you have any Tom Seaver stories? I do. Um, so Tony La Russa told me this, and then when I interviewed Seaver, he confirmed it. When, um, when Seaver was in the sunset of his career with the Chicago White Sox, La Russa was just beginning his career as the manager. And it was like the fourth or fifth inning, and there was a bunning situation for the opposition, and La Russa knew that. So he takes Seaver out of the game, who was pitching reasonably well. And Seaver was really miffed that this rookie manager took him out, like in the fourth or fifth inning. So after the game... Seaver walks into LaRusso's office and he says, don't you ever do that again. Don't you ever embarrass me and take me out again. Do you realize that if I were to lose the next 100 games of my career, I would still be over 500? And then he stormed out of the office. LaRusso said he went <laughs> to a baseball history book to check the stats and he said, oh my gosh, he's right. And he just smiled. So... Tony and Seaver became good fans, good friends later on, but what a story. And then, That's you know, a good one. Corey, real quickly, uh, the story okay. today Let's is get, yeah, go yeah, ahead. Andy Van Slyke. Real quick, is Andy Van Slyke grew up in New York, grew up a Mets fan. His first weekend as a major leaguer, he faces Tom Terrific um, in Shea Stadium. He hits a home run and he got to home plate and he looked out at Tom Seaver and and he, and he realized that, you know, he had a Tom Seaver poster still in his room where we grew up. And he said it was just such a surreal experience that I was hitting a home run off the guy that I idolized as a kid. Unbelievable. That's cool. That, that reminds me of last year when Dakota Hudson gave up that home run to Albert Pujols. We were talking to him afterwards. He said he had Albert Pujols posters on his bedroom. I can't. That has to be so weird for those guys. Uh, let's get to some Blues stuff. Big Blues news, actually, this week. The Blues sent Jake Allen to Montreal uh, in an attempt to clear cap space. And I don't think. I think the only way they do this is if they're making a bit of Petrangelo. Obviously, they want to get some flexibility, no matter what. I would assume. But with how Jordy Bennington played, they would have liked to keep Jake Allen. I'm sure for another year as some insurance. But I think they're going to go all in at Petrangelo now. At least I, 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 they're going to have to make a few more moves to get some more room. But I think that's what this signals. Don't you? Absolutely. And I think Doug Armstrong has got an idea from the Petrangelo camp of a number he's going to have to get to. And he is absolutely uh, going to do everything possible to make sure this thing happens. This move yesterday, it saved – $3.6 million off the cap. That's if you factor in the $750,000 they're going to have to pay the backup next year of Billy Husso. I imagine there's going to be another move, and then, you know, very shortly, they'll make, a, they'll make an offer at Alex Petrangelo. Now, if you listen to some people, they think that Alex is going to go to the free agency market and see what's out there, but Doug Armstrong is going to take his best shot. 
What other moves uh, are you thinking there? I know, I think, what, has Steen been discussed? And maybe even, well, Vince Dunn, it could be gone as well, I've heard. Uh, what other moves do you think they could have to make to get some more cap space in there? Well, Steen is definitely one where you can save some money. Uh, the Justin Falk thing is going to be fascinating because if he were a $5 million a year player, I think you could move him pretty easily. I don't know if you can move him now. Maybe you just have to come back and play him and hope he you know, gets back to the level he once was at. Uh, I don't want to trade Jaden Schwartz because the object of your team is to have as many really good players as possible. But I think there's a lot of things on the table as you try to re-sign the captain. I agree. I would not move Jaden Schwartz either. Uh, it's We talked about this. This is not exactly completely similar to the Pujol situation, but I would hate to see the Blues financially hamstring themselves uh, for the immediate future by re-signing Petrangelo. Obviously, you want him back. He's your captain. He does a lot of good things, but it comes down to a point how much you're going to have to sacrifice. They made their first one with Jake Allen. We'll see how far it goes. Uh, last thing here on this episode of the Sports Plus Podcast, if you're listening on the podcast, uh, we had a pretty fun list this week for your countdown the most colorful characters in uh, St. Louis sports history. We had a whole lot to choose from. This was pretty hard, whittling it down to 10. Uh, the for, Number one and number two are tomorrow. Uh, we, we don't have the whole list out there, so unless you saw these live, you don't know who was, who was one through 10. We're going to talk about a guy who's on this list somewhere, Marvin Barnes, because he pretty much encapsulates, like Bo Hart encapsulated Flash in the Pan, Marvin Barnes encapsulates colorful St. Louis characters. Yeah, there was one story that, uh, that didn't make the actual package we're doing is that Bob Costas was doing the games and Bob, who is habitually late for everything, missed a flight. So uh, they're playing a game in, in Memphis and Corey Kamowex takes the broadcast and Bob is not there. So he gets there, you know, the mid-second quarter and after the game, Bob Costas is really worried about, uh, you know, whether he's going to keep his job. And he says to Marvin Barnes, I think I got fired tonight. Bob Hyland, the president of KMOX, is not going to keep me. I was late for an assignment. And Marvin Barnes said to Bob Costas, that's okay, bro. I've been looking for a little white boy to drive me around in my Rolls Royce. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of Marvin Barnes well, stories out there. I mean, I... The uh, documentary ESPN did uh, about the spirits was pretty entertaining. I vaguely, I might botch this, I vaguely remember some story about him showing up way late with a bunch of McDonald's burgers and walking right onto the court or something like that. Am I close? Is that a story too? Oh, yeah. Well, that was the famous one where he missed the team flight. He chartered a flight. He arrived at the gym right about the time the game was about to tip off. He had a mink, mink coat on. He had his jersey and his uniform on underneath the mink coat. He had a blonde on each arm. Uh, the coach benched him for the first quarter, and he came into the game in the second quarter. Uh, he, he came into the game in the second quarter, and he had 43 points and 17 rebounds. But he famously said, and it's one of the most repeated lines of all time in St. Louis, game time is on time. 
Uh, we had, I mean, Satchel Paige here was just, just here for a few years with the Browns, but he's certainly one of the most colorful characters in all of sports history. Uh, we had a lot of great, Dizzy Dean, uh, who else did we have on there? Mike Shannon. Oh man, you, you doing the Mike Shannon couple calls, the big boy and the cold frosty one. Yeah, you doing those on our countdown made me laugh. (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, the list was so good that we couldn't even put Steve Durbano on this famous blues enforcer who once mooned the crowd, and his nickname was the Mental Patient. And we couldn't even put Johnny Bearfield on, who wore a a quarter in his ear and called himself the eighth wonder of the world. Well, we got the Joaquin Andujars on the list, uh, the Bob Plagers, um, Charlie Spoonauer, Rick Majerus. We had a fun list. A lot of colorful characters for sure in St. Louis sports history. All right, everybody, uh, thanks for tuning in this week, whether you're watching live or listening on the Sports Plus podcast. Uh, We'll have a lot more Cardinals news for sure coming down the pike as they finish up their season. 30 games left going to be a sprint to see if they can make the playoffs. Thanks for watching, everybody. See you later.